I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Some of us would call this breakfast time. Ramey might call it supper time. That's because we're recording a podcast in the a.m. time. When do we do that time? What planet is this time? Preseason predictions time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols. 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday morning, a lovely Thursday morning here in God's Zone, Knoxville, Tennessee, coming coming to you just a couple miles away there from Neyland Stadium, where in, I guess, exactly one week from now, from the day we're recording this, the Tennessee football team will be playing Bowling Green to open the 2021 season. And since it's exactly one week from Tennessee's preseason opener, or preseason opener, season opener, off to a good start this morning. We've got the whole crew in here. The whole, what is it, the whole damn family? Uh, normally when we, when we try to do these four wide podcasts virtually, nothing good ever really comes out of it. But we have to have everyone on the preseason predictions podcast. So we're going to go to the Govals 24-7 Blunt County office in Merville to get Grant Ramey. We're going to go to an undisclosed location to get Patrick Brown, and we're going to go over to that home daycare center to get Ryan Callahan. We have got everybody on this podcast, so I guess the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to open up the chaos by uh, asking everybody, guys, how are we doing this morning? Well, I, we're not doing as good as your internet is to be able to hold the uh, four people at once on a, on a Zoom. So good job, internet. So far. Don't jinx it. If you... Yeah, if, you, if you've listened to our podcast and missed hearing all four of us at once, that's been more of a technological limitation lately than a uh, than a conscious decision. So hopefully we will be able to bring more of these four-person podcasts in the future. But uh, we're, we're seeing how this goes, and so far, so good. Yeah, they work better. The, the, the four-wide, you know, works better when we're all in the same room. But, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to be allowed to do that again, or at least not, you know, this season for a while. So... Uh, right now we're doing it the the uh, I would call it the old fashioned way, but I guess it's the new fashioned way. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna try well, to I, try to make it work. Well, I didn't like going to your house anyway pre COVID, so uh, it's right next to campus. It's super convenient. Well, it's not that convenient based on the location. Plus, all my stuff is here. Some of us like urban living. That's what we prefer. <laughs> Some of us. Although I will say before we get to our predictions that yesterday. I don't think Grant- I don't. I don't think Grant knows he's still on mute. Oh, sorry, sorry. I said I would have to get my high water. I'd have to get my high water boots out of the attic to go to West. So. Yeah, we. Uh, yes, in, in all in all disclosure, yesterday it was less probably. I don't know the the joys of urban living. Probably what 
three quarters of a mile or so from my house yesterday, I did see someone. Um, the car was not at a complete stop either, and, and a, a dude just opened up the drive <laughs> the door. I'm trying not to laugh because it's not funny, and uh, just he he, he kind of kept the car rolling near a stop sign and just. Uh, kicked the woman who was in the the passenger seat out of his vehicle and then like threw her bag at her and then she was just standing there this happened less than a mile from the house uh thir- what was it be wednesday but it's only the second best thing that i've seen less than a mile from my house this year because i was telling y'all last night first place undisputed king is still the guy i saw riding on a bicycle down hall of fame drive not kidding wearing nothing but boxer shorts and a fedora with a like a Burger King King's crown on top of it. And no shoes, um, just riding a bike down the street with boxer shorts and a fedora. It's a lovely part of town, Wes. It's, it's, it's hot outside. I mean, he was the undisputed bicycle king of the day. There's no question about that. Guys, we have got a lot to talk about on this episode. we got our annual Tennessee football preseason predictions, which last year uh, none of us nailed because I don't know really if any of us did any of us last year see three and seven coming. Obviously, we didn't because none of us predicted that. What were we last year? Three, three, six, and fours, and one, five, and five. Pat, is that what we were? Yeah, it was uh, everybody but Ryan. The uh, resident wet blanket was uh, drinking the Kool Aid and predicting predicting six and four. Yeah, so it was the resident right blanket. It turned out because I was much closer than you guys. You were still two games off. So. Oh, I know. We all we all sucked. Let's be real. But, yeah, uh, I don't know that you know. It, in last year, they they started off two and zero, so it was like man. True. Yeah. And we, I mean, we didn't know what to make of that team too, because that eight and five the year before was so tough to gauge. And I, I mean, I went five and five because I thought the all SEC schedule would be tough, but I, I still didn't see three and seven coming. So it was a surprise, but I also, in hindsight, that eight and five the year before was also kind of a mirage because the SEC East was pretty bad that year. Yeah. And, and I'm only going to speak for myself here. Y'all can feel free to, to chime in. This season was for a season that's starting with such uh, so many things, so many layers of uncertainty is I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say, because you've got a brand new coaching staff uh, across the board, a brand new system on both sides of the ball. You've got you know Tennessee lost more players to the portal than anyone. Tennessee did also gain a bunch of players from the portal, but also lost some of its very best players from a team that went three and seven in SEC play. So. How do you gauge all that? I mean, you had a you had a coaching staff that was a little bit distracted, sort of fighting for its job on multiple fronts. Uh, you you had some some issues where a team just couldn't really do a lot together because of the COVID stuff. There were a lot of things um, that that came together last year and sort of conspired to make it the season that it was. But you know, how much can you legitimately expect improvement? when you lose a bunch of your best players from a team that went three and seven, it, it, it's tough on the surface to say, well, you know, this kumbaya attitude and a couple of new faces are going to fix everything. It, it's just, it's hard to say that because you want to go into a season with some sense of optimism, right? Or else what's the point, but it, it's just hard, you know, as, as, as the preseason's gone along as off season's gone along, preseason camp, all those things, people are starting to sort of, as usual, convince themselves that, that more wins are out there. But when you look at the week-to-week schedule, 
I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's just hard to see that much improvement. Am I crazy about that? Well, Wes, we just did a podcast on all the unknowns about this team. And, and I mentioned this in, in the prediction that I wrote. You know, last season we didn't get to see any practice at all. Uh, everything was on Zoom where, I mean, it's almost, I don't want to say it's a waste of time, but you just get so much more uh, from human interaction when you're talking to players and, and coaches and whatnot. So, um, and, and we talked to half the roster uh, during camp this month. So yeah, true. we should have a lot better idea of, uh, things going into the season, but at the same time, this roster is so new in so many places, and you just go down the list of like, okay, half the guys at this position weren't even here 18 months ago, and you know, one of their oldest guys at receiver has eight catches in his career. It's just hard to know how some of these guys are going to perform. There's literally no uh, no way until they until they go out and do it. And so for me, there's sort of a wide spectrum in terms of trying to predict this season and. Um, that, that means there's a wide spectrum of wins. And I think the schedule adds to that because Tennessee, I think, has a lot of games that I think we all would agree would fall into a quote-unquote toss-up category. So um, that's what makes this even, to me, even more difficult to predict than, than maybe it was last season when we were kind of flying blind and didn't know how everything was going to play out in, 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 during the COVID season. I agree. And it's, it's, uh, it's also the positions where Tennessee – has so much uncertainty and so much variability, uh, starting with quarterback, you know, having two new guys at that position, having Jarrett Garantano and uh, JT Shrout no longer be part of the equation. Brian Maurer also now gone, or at least in, in the transfer portal. So it's an entirely different group there, aside from Harrison Bailey. And uh, that, that obviously in itself would make this a very different looking team. And then you throw in the different offense, just not knowing how that's going to click with these guys, whether – whether Josh Heupel's system is going to make this team look completely different and score score a lot more points than last year, or if it's going to be, uh, you know, maybe more more marginal progress. I expect to see some sort of progress offensively, but are we talking a, a five point per game increase or fifteen or what? What what do you expect there? I think that that plays a big role in it, and just how much this offense clicks and that how well those quarterbacks play. And then for this offense to be good, you need good receiver play too. And aside from Bayless Jones and to some degree Jalen Hyatt, you you know, much like a lot of positions on this team, you just don't know what to expect from those guys. So to me, it's a it, I mean, the defense, yeah, it's important too. And they, they've got a lot to figure out on that side of the ball because just not many proven stars. Uh, a lot of veterans who play or several veterans who played a lot of football, but not any who've really shown to be all SEC players yet. Uh, they they need Elante Taylor and guys like that to be their best players. But on offense, to me, is the story and how good can Bayless Jones, Jalen Hyatt, and, and then some young guys who haven't done it before, um, it, it, along with Javante Payton, a newcomer via the transfer portal. How, how good are those guys going to be, and how good are the quarterbacks going to be? Just those positions are so important, and, and they're just kind of a microcosm of the whole roster because they're just so new and so different from last year. Yeah, I mean, obviously depth is a huge issue on both sides of the ball, the, up and down the roster. This roster is anywhere close to – what they wanted to be because of everything that happened in January and all the fall. I think my biggest takeaway from 2020 is you really need those non-conference games. I mean, an all SEC schedule is brutal enough, uh, but to go three and seven and uh, how, how long was the losing streak? Six straight games uh, at one point, Tennessee needs those non-conference games at the point where it is as a program to help build something for the future. You got to have the South Alabama's and the Tennessee techs and the Bowling Greens on schedule. Uh, and I'm not, you know, Wes can go down the, the predictions here in a second, but, you know, 
what I predicted is not a compliment really to this team. It's more of a compliment to how the schedule kind of plays out and, and what they've got ahead of them and kind of the, the winnable games that are there. So I think that was my biggest takeaway and everything going forward for this 2021 team is like Ryan said, so many unknowns. Yeah. And for me, it's a little bit, I agree with everything all three of y'all said. I think it was Ryan who said something about the, the actual positions where some of the uncertainty is. And, and that's where, that's where it starts to get tricky for me is because you look at the positions where you sort of need experienced level-headed guys who have been there before uh, at quarterback, unless you start Harrison Bailey, which I don't think any of us think is going to happen, at least to open the season, you're going to have a new quarterback uh, offensive line. You know, your two leaders from the past couple of years, Trey Smith, Brandon Kennedy, they're gone. Uh, you know, inside linebacker there, the Mike linebacker spot, you've got a new guy in Juwan Mitchell who, hey, did lead Texas in tackles last season, um, but he was at, you know, the other UT. He, he is in a new place, a new environment, and a new league, uh, and he's going to have to learn the ropes there. Safety, you do bring back some guys with experience there. Those guys have been through it, so that makes you feel, feel pretty good about things. Uh, so there are, you know, defensive line. Uh, you do have some older men there who have played a lot of football. So it's kind of a mixed bag, but really in a lot of the most important positions, like the quarterback on offense, the quarterback on defense, that's most likely going to be a new face uh, playing for a new system in a new stadium for a new coaching staff. So that's a lot of newness. And 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 we've said this before, that that uncertainty does not have to equal – paranoia or it doesn't have to equal something bad like you know that's why we call it sort of an unexpected because if we knew it was going to be bad we would call it expected like we know it's going to be bad it's unexpected it's new we don't know it could hit the ground running those things have happened before you know maybe um, you know Josh Eipel has been a guy who's been able to win in his career he's gone to some places where winning was a little bit easier than it is at Tennessee right now um, but the fact is, he's gone places and won. And he went to uh, Missouri and immediately turned around an offense that was not very good. Now, he had an NFL quarterback that he took over for. So if if someone like a Joe Milton or Hendon Hooker or um, Harrison Bailey all of a sudden looks like an NFL quarterback, then maybe that'll help, right? I mean, the guy's been a quarterback whisperer before. But, I mean, I think that that's the trick that you fall into is saying that, you know, you take Tennessee's recent history – you take last season into play especially, and it's easy to sit there and think that unexpected things are going to be bad. And I, I, I don't think that's necessarily fair. Every season's its own season. So when you're looking at unexpected, I, and I'll, I'll let you all y'all speak to this, I, I think it, it's, it's something that it's easy to get cynical when you've covered Tennessee for the amount of time we have and you've seen the amount of crap that we've seen in recent years, it's a little bit hard not to see an unexpected as something that's going to go badly, right? I mean, don't, don't, I mean, I have to guard against that. Do y'all have to guard against that or not? I mean, that's, that's not the first thing that comes to mind, but it is, it, you're, to your point, it is definitely, it, it, it's been such a big part of Tennessee's past decade that, yeah, when something unexpectedly does happen, you, uh, you, you tend to think it, it, it might be bad. I, that said, I think this team does have some upside that it, that is hard to ignore. I mean, I, if Tennessee does, it, it all starts with Joe Milton to me, and, and I'm, I'm assuming that he's going to be the starting quarterback to open the season. I don't think that's been a very uh, well-guarded secret necessarily, but obviously nothing's been announced there. But if, you know, if he's the guy 
to start the year, you know, we'll see if he ends up being the guy all season or how that works out. But if, if they, if they strike gold there, or if he ends up being that good, then, then I, I think that changes everything for Tennessee because the quarterback position has been such a struggle for Tennessee. And as we saw last year with Ole Miss and Matt Corral and how well they played offensively, if you find the right guy and get a high powered offense going, it, it, it can, it just changes the look of everything. So um, they've, they've got some upside that makes them really interesting, but just to, uh, you know, again, a lot of unknowns. And if things go wrong, uh, there's still a potential for, for some things to go bad. I, the thing that concerns me the most that, that maybe kept me from inching a little bit higher on my prediction uh, for, for the season that we'll get into in a minute is I, I, I worry about this team's depth. And that's where I think the transfer portal stuff really hurts this team. Um, I, you know, it's, it's hard to quantify the losses of Eric Gray and Key Lawrence and, and some, some of the guys that, that might end up being pretty big losses for Tennessee this year. Obviously, Henry Toto is potentially going to have a very good year at Alabama, and that, that's going to be something uh, a lot of Tennessee fans will be watching this year to see how much of a difference that loss makes. But, you know, I, I think overall the depth is where, you know, they lost so many guys that now you're you're not looking at a very healthy too deep on the offensive line. You're, you know, if they have a lot of injuries on the offensive line, you're playing guys who've just not done it before. It's the same at edge rusher in some cases, you know, if beyond – Roman Harrison, you know, what, what, what backups are they going to have that have played a lot of football there? Uh, linebacker, they're, they're better than they were this, this spring, but still not just loaded with guys who played a lot of football. So it's just, it's just not a very deep team. And if they get ravaged by injuries anywhere, it's going to be some untested players one way or another. So things like that give you some downside as well. But I do see upside in this team because the offense could be, could be exciting, could be noticeably different from what we've seen in the past. Yeah, that, that's the that's the big thing for me. And like I said, we'll we'll get into our actual predictions here in a second. But um, long story short, for me on that front was uh, the offense makes me think that they could win maybe seven games or dare I say more um, because I, I like the skill position talent. I think they've got some good running backs. Um, I think they really like their top three guys. <clears throat> excuse me, and, and Jabari Small. Uh, Tyon Evans and, and Jalen Wright. And of course, two of those guys have never played in a college football game. So um, that's just sort of the microcosm of this team, that one position. Um, uh, Milton, I've been sort of thinking he would be the guy. Uh, I think I was on record first saying he would be this, he would, he would win the job back in June. So um, I, I think he brings the highest upside of this offense with what he can do. Uh, and I know a lot, a lot of people are, not sold on him based on what he did at Michigan, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how much stock he can put into that because it's a new team and a new system and uh, he's healthy now. But, um, you know, the, the offense, I see a higher ceiling. Um, and and the, the offense makes me think Tennessee could be, A, more competitive than they were last season. And B, could maybe win some games. Uh, maybe maybe offense is good enough to win them a game that uh, otherwise they wouldn't win. Um, but on the flip side of that, the defense gives me enough concern because I, I just don't see any – playmakers over there i mean you you look at the all the veterans they've got on the defensive line um uh, in the secondary and and yeah those guys have played a lot of football but in a lot of cases they haven't been you know haven't played great so you're asking them to sort of at, at the end of their careers make a jump can they do that we'll see um and then of course there there's you know there's unknowns there with you know who's going to get off the quarterback who's going to you know, where are they going to get interceptions from? The, the interception totals from, from the current defensive backs aren't very high. Um, who, who's going to be the guy that makes a big play on first down that gets a team in second and 12 and, and sort of gets the ball rolling on, on Tennessee getting a stop? Can they get red zone stops? Can they get, you know, all, all these things that 
that this defense is going to need to survive and help Tennessee win games. And it's like, where is it going to come from? So um, that, that gives me more pause and maybe knocks the, uh, my optimism back down a, a couple pegs. Wes, just to get this straight, did you ask me if I have trouble with guarding against cynicism? Yes. I mean, have we met? Uh, that's my natural state. Well, I mean, I you know, so, sometimes it's easy, you know, that that's called, you know, those, that's one of those Chris Paul lob passes that you can just kind of throw right down. I mean, I've, I've, I've been around Tennessee football in this job since 2012 and all the stuff that's happened since then. I mean, it's just natural for you to think whatever can go wrong. I mean, will go wrong. I mean, just uh, a year ago, well, less than a year ago, Tennessee starts out two and zero. they're, they've won eight straight games. I think it's one of the longest streaks in the country or whatever was going on at that time, uh, pretty much dismantled a Missouri team uh, at Neyland stadium after they went to South Carolina and won. And, and then everything that went wrong after that, I mean, they were even, even the first, yeah, I was about to say first half against Georgia, what, whatever the score was there. And then everything that went wrong from there leading into January and everything that happened in January that has happened since then. So sure. It's, it's 100% believable for anybody to think what can go wrong will go wrong with this football program at some point it's going to have to turn around at some point something's going to go right for them just don't know when that point is the good news i have a ton of questions for the defense the good news is you're really just trying to hold the opponent to 35 and hoping you can score 38 i mean josh hopple's offense has put up numbers everywhere he's been now it's going to be put to probably the biggest test it's ever been put through because you have one of the thinnest rosters uh, in a while for Tennessee in a long, long time, and, and you're going against a SEC schedule that's that's never easy. Um, so it's it's going to be tested. There's a million questions, um, but yeah, it's it's very easy to think whatever can go wrong will go wrong, and, and to be cynical about what's going to happen in year one. And yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Grant is uh, the most optimistic of the bunch in this episode. So what does that Like say? I just said, I'm Mr. Positivity. <laughs> what does that say about <laughs> the rest of us? Guys, we're going to step away, take a quick break. We're overdue for a break here to get some uh, products, ads, service, uh, product services, in-house ads, all those other fun things. Come back and we're going to talk about what actually our predictions were. We're going to go over what our predictions were for the season, for league play, for all those things. Talk about why why not talk about reasons for for optimism reasons for uh some some concern causes for pause and everything in between before we do that though let's take a quick break and pay some bills be right back guys hashtag ad hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Got the whole fam damnly here in the house, the whole crew this morning. Got Wes Rucker here from Fort Rucker Studio. Got Patrick Brown from an undisclosed location. We got Grant Ramey from the Go Balls 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office down in Merville, uh, where, where I believe a, a big game will be played uh, this week. Although you could say they're all big games uh, when, when you're in when you're in Maryville. Um, but nonetheless, a big one coming up this week. And from his home daycare center, uh, the only person on this Zoom call who is not showing us his face, and thank God for that, is Ryan Callahan. Talking Tennessee football, talking our season predictions. Uh, we put those up uh, this morning. Uh, we usually put them up on the, the weekend before the opening game. This week, uh, this season, I should say, the first game uh, is a Thursday. So we're dropping that on a Thursday, and that works perfectly because we come out with podcasts on Mondays and Thursdays plus breaking news. So it makes sense. And a quick heads up, guys, we will have at least one extra podcast over the weekend. I will be speaking with Josh Pate, 24-7 Sports Zone, Josh Pate. Uh, a guy who does just a tremendous job being a multimedia guy for our 24-7 network, uh, knows a lot about football, specifically in the Southeastern Conference. I'll be talking to him about Tennessee uh, football, SEC football, where he thinks things stand at the moment. Might even ask him about the Alliance and all kinds of other fun things. Although I did see that uh, that wasn't there like Clemson and USC or somebody Ellie? like that. Who was it? LSU and USC are playing an opener out in Las Vegas in 2024. This was announced like two days after the uh, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and was it the ACC? We're like, we're friends, but we don't have anything binding, and we're just friends. <laughs> it's like uh, and the, it's just hilarity. Would you like to form an would, alliance? Absolutely, I would. It would, would, it would never happen in Dwight Schrute's alliance. That's what I was just about to yeah. say because Dwight, Dwight Schrute is his number two. He's got to have somebody he can trust. Pam Beasley was his uh, super secret number two, and Ryan Callahan has never seen The Office, just FYI for anybody listening. Uh, wants to pub- which, publicly shame him. Which is the most the office, unbelievable just thing. It's the most um, – that's like um, somebody saying, like, it, I've never seen grass or, or like, you know, I, I've never seen well, uh, it's, the it's, sun. It's not even that he's not seen it. It's that he says he saw one episode and didn't like it. Yeah, well, it's it's not that I like refuse to watch it. It's one of those things I will probably watch one day, but I just haven't uh, made it, I haven't made it any kind of priority because the one episode I watched years ago, and this was back when the show was actually airing, I watched. I don't remember laughing a whole lot, so I probably oh saw not gosh. not probably saw not a great episode, <laughs> but you know, just making. I'm, I'm right, might be a little inside baseball here. I'm dealing with my second just ridiculous migraine in three days and ryan's not helping it right now by well, remi- it's, reminding it's just, that he, he's not that he's watched one episode of the office and did not like it everyone if you could see this zoom you would see the other famous just rolling our eyes like oh gosh come on dude it's because i'm sure every episode of the office is hilarious right there's not one single yeah, it is. pretty well, much eight or nine but pretty much a hit uh, the hit rates the hit rates pretty good so yeah. ryan you do not even deserve this conversation get it back on the rails <laughs> that's I'm, true i'm about to i'm about to flip a table let's that's go. true let's get back on the rails and before we get back on the rails just a quick reminder guys please take about no oh, 90 seconds i think is what we decided 90 seconds out of your day right now and please subscribe to rate and review this podcast if you're just listening on the website hey we love you however you're listening 
it's like uh, Ron Swanson said with alcohol, you know, there, there's no wrong way to consume alcohol. There is no wrong way to consume the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Uh, and if you're just, just listening on the website, that that's awesome. We love you. Thanks for being here. But it does help us a little bit more if you go in there and you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world. You can cast the fine pod. You can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. It's free. There, there's no harm uh, in doing it. You can go there, click that subscribe button, rate and review. Uh, we do this for free. We're happy to do it. But if you go in there and subscribe, rate and review, that does help us add more wolves to this wolf pack. That helps us grow this thing as we've done for the past several years in a row. And it just, it, it really helps us a lot. So please continue to tell all your friends, please continue to, uh, to tell all, all of your, uh, your coworkers and, and please continue to rate and review. We did have one great. Didn't review. we have a, yeah. Didn't we have really one good review yeah. that, that we need to share? Yeah, we do. We had one and some of them are really, really good. Um, but some of, sometimes I only uh, tweet out the really, really good reviews that make me laugh quite a bit. And this week, which one did we have here? The best review of this week. I'm pulling it up here. Here it is. Quote, Wes is good and sucks. Other guys <laughs> good too. Uh, T.O. Overall good TN Balls podcast. That's, I mean, I mean, I can't say any no of that is detected. wrong. Yeah. I mean, that's, Spot the lie. That's Spot the lie. Perfect. I mean, so, Tennant. Tennessee balls makes me wonder if that was a voice to text attempt. And then also, Hey, it's a mixed bag for you, right? Like you said, you suck, but you're also good. So I, that's, that's, you know, he kind of tried to give you the, uh, a fair balanced review and, and, and said both things. Well, the, I don't, I don't I, think, I know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go I know ahead. a lot of people. I know a lot of people that are good and suck. So yeah. And, and part of it, I, I don't know if this is, um, if it's probably not an inside joke here because I, I think he probably was just a typo or a, or a talk to text. But if you do have like a smart device in your home and you ask it to play the Go Balls 24 7 podcast, it will often say, I cannot find a Go Balls 247 podcast. And so, yeah, we're, we're working on that. So, all those smart devices out there, we will eventually outsmart you, we will figure you out. Uh, but please go in, take a minute out of your day and do that. That would help us quite a bit. Anyway, guys, back on to the predictions. Um, here's the way that I did it, and I think that's a good way to make sure that all of y'all looked at it this way. And if you didn't, please go ahead and, and tell me so that, that that will impact the way we discuss this over over this segment. But I put the, the, the categories of games this year into probable wins, probable losses, and true toss-ups. For probable wins, I had Bowling Green, Tennessee Tech, South Alabama, Vanderbilt. For probable losses, I had Florida, Alabama, Georgia. And then for the true toss-ups, I had five games, Pitt, Mizzou, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Kentucky. Uh, does anyone have a problem with those three uh, being put the way they were? I didn't put South Carolina as a probable win yet. A lot of people would. I'm not ready to go there yet. So maybe one of y'all uh, is ready to go there, and that would change what we discuss here. But those were the five games I threw out there as Okay, the, this is what the season comes down to. Maybe, maybe I'm I'm on the Kool Aid with the or I'm on the Lane train too much, but I don't see Tennessee beating Ole Miss. Maybe I'm crazy. I'm with you that on that. I, that. That game could be like fifty six forty nine, but the way I worded it was I I said that there are three and a half teams, three and maybe a half, because um, obviously I don't think anybody here expects them to beat Florida, Alabama, Georgia, um, but that Ole Miss game, it's the seventh in as many weeks for this team. 
Uh, and I know it's a home, but uh, I just <clears throat> I, I have a tough time seeing that this offense midway through year one is going to be able to outscore that offense. But that's just my opinion. The way the way that game goes, Tennessee could play pretty well, and it wouldn't shock me if they still lose by seventeen or twenty or more. Um, they could lose fifty-two to thirty-five and have a pretty good game that, offensively. That's, that's more of a it's more of a matchup thing than I think Ole Miss is like this amazing team. Right. Um, and I, I don't have any issue with putting it in the toss-up category. I will well, say that. Well, I'll say the reason I put it there is because when you go back and look at Ole Miss's schedule last year. Um, I'm not sure Ole Miss beat uh, any teams that probably shouldn't have beaten, and, and I don't think it lost any games that it shouldn't have lost. It sort of it beat some of the worst teams in the SEC, and, and it played some of the other teams and lost against those teams. So, I, and it also didn't stop hardly anybody defensively, with the exception of a of a like a Vanderbilt or somebody. So it, it did it not was stop a wildly entertaining. It was a wildly entertaining team. Like, all their games went down to the end. And they played LSU and Alabama down to the wire pretty much. So, but that was last year. It was. It was. But that's the only thing we have to go on, right? I mean, we're having to sort of take last season's results and we're going to have to project what, you know, you know, what the new players will do, what new coaches will do. And that's how we're putting together a schedule. But I guess we can go ahead and we're discussing that Ole Miss game now. Um, but that was one that ultimately – I think even though I put it as a toss-up, I think all of us had that one as a loss. Did anyone disagree there? I I didn't – yeah, and I I didn't necessarily get into specific game predictions. As I learned last year, because when I went into the season, I had one prediction in mind, and when we came down to picking the game the week of, I thought something different. (laughs) So as we've learned the past couple years, I don't don't try to think about specific game as much as – you know, okay, I see them winning one of these two games. So, but yes, in my prediction, I would have probably had Ole Miss chalked up as a loss. Okay, so let's 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 change it up then. Let's say that um, we can let let's say for the sake of argument, we're tossing Ole Miss into probable loss category. At that point, you're talking uh, Pitt, Mizzou, Ole, uh, Pitt, Mizzou, South Carolina, Kentucky as the games that ultimately will decide the season. Is that something we we're generally on the same page about? Yep. Yes. Okay. For sure. Wes, what did it, Wes, we're run down the picks. Tell tell everyone what we all pick. That's good. That's a good idea. Thanks. Thank you for the reminder, Pat. That is that is it is a, it is a predictions podcast. That is professional. <laughs> well, I was gonna say 40... I, I was gonna sort of save it toward the end, but you know I think it's a good time now. We're forty five minutes into it, right? Oh, okay, <laughs> we've got Patrick Brown has Tennessee going six and six overall and three and five in the SEC, which I'm guessing means a loss to Pitt in week two. We'll talk about that in a minute. Grant Ramey is uh, is the most optimistic of all of us for the first time in perhaps recorded human history. He has Tennessee at seven and five overall and three and five in SEC play. Uh, and I believe Ryan and I both have six and six overall, two and six in the SEC. Did I get that right? Is that what everyone predicted? Correct. Yes. And so That's all of, so all of us have Tennessee bowl eligible, assuming Tennessee doesn't come out at any time in the next few months and say it's going to take a one season bowl ban or anything like that. So so we're assuming for the sake of argument that doesn't happen. So we've all got Tennessee bowl eligible in the first year. And the way I phrased it was I thought that would be a really, really pretty good start for the Hypel era, considering where things were, considering – losing whatever 30 players or was something ridiculous like that in the portal, putting all that together. Uh, I think 
Six wins would be absolutely just fine, and anything more than that would be gravy. Is there any dissension there? Not at all. And and I'll and I'll say this to, to Grant's point earlier. I think this is all about the schedule. As much as anything, it's not so much that I think this year's team is that much better than last year. It's really the schedule is a return to normalcy. I've made this point throughout the offseason. I think it's still fair to, to look back on last year's team and think of it this way because that three and seven record sounds like one of the worst teams in school history. I don't think it was that bad, though, because you put them on a normal schedule. If they were, they were going to play Oklahoma last year. Okay, they'd probably lose that one. They'd probably win three non-conference games, though, and assuming they still beat Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt, you've got what? A six and six team. So I don't think this team on paper is going to be that much better than last year's team. It's just the schedule sets up better. And I thought the schedule set up well for Tennessee to rebound under Jeremy Pruitt if he had survived too. I thought a seven or eight win season was very possible this year, given how well things set up. So this to me is all about the schedule and the opportunities it presents. There are still very much some toss up games. I think Patrick is not, uh, is not off base at all in picking Pittsburgh to beat Tennessee uh, in, in week two. That's uh that's a very, that's a very losable game. If Tennessee does not play, particularly well so I think this this opener against Bowling Green is important for Tennessee to get some things ironed out going into that pit game because to me that in a lot of ways you could argue that's the most important game on the schedule uh, even though it's not an SEC play because it could be such a tone setter uh, if it doesn't go well and you know that that can go both ways teams can bounce right back but if you lose that game it, it might it could always hurt this kind of positive thing that Tennessee seems to have going with good team chemistry and all that and maybe cause some people to start saying oh, here we go again so you, you want to win that game, but that, that one to me is an important one and, and one that Tennessee absolutely could lose. But the rest of the schedule even sets up pretty well, but you got four winnable non-conference games, two games against first-year coaches in the SEC East and Vanderbilt and South Carolina. I think they could even beat Kentucky or Missouri on the right day, uh, depending on how, how those teams all play this year. I, I think that that's a winnable game, or one of those is a winnable game for Tennessee, uh, especially if their offense is pretty good. So, yeah, I, I think the schedule gives them – the chance to be more than six and six. Um, but, but to me, this team just, you know, it's enough, enough risk in there with the, the lack of depth, the quarterback questions, all, all those things come into play for me. And that it's just hard for me to go beyond six wins without seeing more. It, it's, it is kind of taking a believe it when I see it approach with this team, because they do have a lot to prove and a lot of inexperienced players playing key roles, but the schedule to me, made it hard. And, and I, this team could have a losing record. They absolutely could. Let's, let's not assume that six wins is a given. Uh, I think the over-unders at six for, for most odds makers for a reason, but I give this team six wins because the schedule sets up well. And I do think the offense at least will, will make Tennessee a much more competitive team this year offensively. Okay. That's an easy so, transition I, then. Oh no, I was going to say it's an easy transition to Grant because he's the one who picks seven and five. So Grant really quickly was your seven and five prediction based on you think this team will be better than people think, or is it based on the schedule, like Ryan said? It's based 100% on the schedule, and not only the four winnable non-conference games that you have, but you have eight home games on top of that. Uh, at Alabama and at Florida, obviously, those are losses. Um, it's just the way it is. Uh, Bowling Green, Tennessee Tech, South Alabama, those should be no-brainer wins. You're a 35-point favorite over Bowling Green next week. Uh, that should be a team that you take care of, and then you have 10 days to get ready for Pittsburgh and I don't know if they're going to beat Pittsburgh. Um, they have to beat Pittsburgh if they're going to have a kind of season that they want to have a six, seven win ceiling, whatever that is. Uh, South Carolina and Vanderbilt are the kind of the two teams that really the only two teams that are universally picked at a, at a lower spot than where Tennessee is right now. And then the, like Ryan mentioned, those, those Kentucky and Missouri games were the two games that, that popped out to me of 
you just got to find a way to upset one of those teams. If you can do that, then you that seven win ceiling is there. Uh, but no, it is uh, it's one hundred percent the schedule, the way it lays out, and, and not this team because I think this team roster wise, like we talked about in the first segment, is as thin as it's ever been. Uh, but you take care of business in the non conference if they can do that and find an upset and take care of the games that are winnable in the SEC schedule. I think the seven win ceiling is there, but I think it's also kind of a, a four win floor for this team. And I will say before we move on to Patrick's, I, I, I thought about seven and five. I really did. But I, to Wes's point earlier, I kind of did think this is Tennessee and something's probably going to go wrong at some point. They'll probably have an injury somewhere. They can't afford it. And maybe that either keeps them from upsetting Kentucky or Missouri, or it causes them to lose a game. We're not expecting either Pitt or South Carolina or something like that. Maybe, you know, South Carolina is a team. Some people are sleeping on maybe in some ways because they weren't very good last year. Who's to say, you know, Shane Beamer doesn't come in there and, and have that team playing a little bit better than expected and make that a tougher game than we're expecting. So something could go wrong, obviously. And, and that did kind of creep into my mind and keep me from thinking that seven and five is very likely, but I, I think that upside is there. I, I do think they could, upset Kentucky or Missouri. So I definitely see Grant's prediction as, as realistic. Yeah. I feel like I need to uh, defend myself maybe on the, uh, the Pittsburgh prediction. Cause uh, I think I'm the only one that, that kind of hinted at that. And um, when, when I had y'all send me these, so I could put them together, I made sure y'all send them separately because I didn't want any influence going on. And, and I, I was happy with the, allegedly, whatever you guys can believe what you want. Um, and I was happy with the variety that that approach produced because last year, you know, sometimes it's, if we all predicted the same thing, that would be boring. We didn't all predict the same thing. We had three different records and uh, I guess I'm the outlier with the Pittsburgh game. Uh, I, I don't think Tennessee can win that game right now. Now, if Pittsburgh goes out and looks like crap against when they play UMass, I think their first game, mm-hmm. Tennessee goes out and scores 70 on Bowling Green, then I might change my mind. Um, but that's a game that I just, I think it's just too early in the season. Um, and uh, I think Pittsburgh is better than maybe a lot of Tennessee fans realize. I mean, this is a team that um, I know they lost, I think, like five guys off the defense to the NFL draft. But uh, Pat Narduzzi is a, is a defensive-minded coach. They're always good on defense the past two seasons. They've been right at the top, not only in the ACC, but in the country and sacks and tackles for loss. Um, and that's a great way to disrupt this offense, which, by the way, they played two and three years ago. So this staff, some of these players that were on that team um, won't be – you know, playing this up-tempo offense that Josh Heifel runs won't be new to them because they just played UCF two years ago and split two games. So um, I think that's a team that's uh, – the reason I don't think going into the season that that's a game that Tennessee wins from my standpoint is because I think that's too early. I think, you know, one game against the, uh, one of the worst teams in the FBS is, is not going to be enough to get Tennessee's offense full click, uh, clicking at, at full speed. And I think a, a defensive team – that's played it recently like Pittsburgh can get enough stops. And, and then on the offensive side of the ball, they've got a veteran quarterback. They've got some pretty decent receivers. They got a lot of running backs back. So, um, and, and to a bigger point, that program, I would Narduzzi's in is what eighth season. That is a program that's a lot more a established from a, from a lot of different standpoints um, that that culture is built, how they play, uh, how they do things. Those things are a lot more built uh, and established. Whereas Tennessee, this is, you know, it's been turnover, turnover, turnover since, um, even before this season. So uh, I think that game's a little bit too early for me to pick. So I, I don't, I didn't count that as a win. I do think uh, that Tennessee will beat Missouri. Cause I think Missouri is not that good. I don't, I don't know why everybody thought they did like this amazing job last season. They just beat the other direct of the conference. 
Um, and, and, you know, a couple of those games were pretty close. So, uh, and, and they lost a lot of, you know, they lost three NFL guys off their defense. You know, I, are their replacements going to be better? I don't, I don't, I don't see it, at least not at this point. Um, and so I think that's a game. It's a, it's not a daunting road environment up there at Columbia. So, um, you know, I think that's a game Tennessee can win. And I don't, I just don't think South Carolina, I think their roster's in an even worse situation. Uh, than Tennessee's, although they obviously have Kevin Harris, who's a, who's a legitimately one of the best players in the SEC at running back. So um, I, I think Tennessee can win those two games. The swing games for me are Pittsburgh, which I don't think they'll win, and Kentucky, which I also don't – I think Kentucky – I don't think they'll be as good. I don't buy some of the dark horse. Can they challenge in the East? I don't buy that. Yeah, not at all. Um, but I do think they're a team that's going to be tough for a lot of teams to beat just because that's just the way they play. Um, and I think that could be a tough game for Tennessee to, to win. Uh, I did note, though, and I told I texted you guys this a few weeks ago in our in our work thread that uh, when I saw Kentucky's new starting quarterback Will Levis, uh, Penn State, when I saw how he eats a banana, I was going to change my prediction. I was going to give Tennessee that game. Yeah, so I, I, I would say that my prediction is more six and a half wins because just because of how Will Levis eats a banana, which he eats like the whole thing, right? Yeah, it's 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 bizarre, and it's like past right too, right? It's like brown. It's, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah, and I also heard someone the other day who uh, has been at a couple of Tennessee or Kentucky practices tell me that the guy has a really strong arm. Maybe not like a like a like a Joe Milton caliber arm, but like the guy's got a big arm, but he doesn't always throw it very accurately, at least in practice. So maybe he's a gamer who will be more sharp uh, when the when there are games when it's eleven on eleven, but. Uh, Kentucky's trying to open it up a little bit more, not just be a student body right, student body left kind of offense. Um, but if he's not going to throw the ball accurately, it's going to be hard to 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 do that. But that leads me into the last thing I wanted to talk about, which was the reason why, if you want to talk about reasons for legitimate optimism at Tennessee, I don't want this to turn into a Jared Garantano crap fest uh, because – that topic has been run into the ground more than just about anything I can remember in recent history uh, around these parts. Listen, he was inconsistent. Sometimes he was bad. Sometimes he helped them win games. Oftentimes he helped them take winnable games and lose them. It's not just him, but he is the quarterback. There is no more important position on the field. And I think it needs to be noted, if you're trying to talk about some optimism here, if you look at the history Josh Heupel has with the quarterback position – and you look at some of the guys that they have brought in, I think it is not unreasonable to suspect that Tennessee might have a better situation at quarterback this season, and that is where a lot of my cautious optimism comes from. It stems simply from the fact that you, you know a new guy will be in at quarterback, whoever it is most likely. It will be coached by a new he'll, – he'll be coached by a new quarterback coach – uh, who Joey Halsley, who's been a good quarterbacks coach, Alex Golish, who's been a good offensive coordinator, and by Josh Heupel, who has been sort of a quarterback whisperer uh, of a, as an assistant coach, a coordinator, and a head coach. That, to me, there's no more posi- important position on the field. You can keep yourself in games. Look at, like, Ole Miss last year, the way Corral played, other than that six-interception game. I mean, he kept them in a lot of games where, you know, they they probably should have gotten run out of the building. I think that is the biggest reason why I look at this Tennessee team and say, you know what, maybe it could be okay. Is that – I know it's not crazy, but do you all agree, disagree with that? Where do, where do you stand on that? 
Well, I, I think a lot of the optimism comes from the coaching staff, and you can even expand that beyond the quarterbacks. Obviously, that's the <clears throat> excuse me the 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 obvious example that you have a guy that's literally taken any quarterback he's inherited, recruited, what have you, um, and done really well. Uh, you would expect him to do the same with whether it's Milton, whether Milton doesn't run away with the job when the season starts and they have to go to Hooker, or however it plays out. You would think that they're going to get better play from from the quarterback position. And, and Tennessee fans go, "Oh, it couldn't get much worse." Probably true, but um, maybe yeah. the, the jump that this offense needs, um, it, it, it it's going to require much better play there, not just marginally better play. And that's the question: Can it be what it's been uh, in the past? But you can extend that to several other positions, right? I mean, you could say that you expect the offensive line to be better because the offensive line coaching is going to be much improved from Will Friend to Glenn Ellerby. I mean, we've seen what Ellerby's done. I mean, he took uh, a, lot, a lot of attention gets paid to what Heifel did his first season at Missouri. Well, Glenn Ellerby was the offensive line coach, and he took a group that I don't think had any starters returning on that group. And uh, I think they were among the leaders in fewest sacks allowed and yeah. fewest tackles for loss allowed. And he was uh, – I think he was a Broyles Award semifinalist for twice in three seasons because um, at UCF his first year, they set a record for uh, rushing total – for r- r- rushing yards in a season. So – you, you can point to that position and say, okay, this guy's got a proven track record. He's going to get this offensive line despite losing Trey Smith, despite losing Brandon Kennedy and, and the two guys to the portal and Juanian Morris and Jameer Johnson. He's going to get them to play better even though they lost all their star power. And you can do that on, on defense as well with the defensive line and with the secondary because, you know, Willie Martinez just had three UCF guys drafted. They're, you know, you, you think he can take veterans like Alante Taylor, Trayvon Flowers, Theo Jackson. You think he could take those guys and get that last little bit out of them. Uh, and get them to play their best football as a senior. Um, and the same goes for the defensive line. I mean, you're, you're counting on that group to be better only because of Rodney Garner, not necessarily because of anything that uh, any of those players have shown you, not because you added a guy from USC and from Kansas. You're saying that that, that group is going to be better up front because Rodney Garner is this really accomplished and, you know, that guy knows what he's doing. He's a great defensive line coach. We all know that. So um, that that is a reason for optimism is, is not necessarily the roster, but the coaching staff. And you're kind of, uh, and you can do that at several positions on on this uh, on this team. So I think that's a fair point that goes, like you said, Wes, at the quarterback position, but even beyond to some other positions as well. Before we before I I'll give you two reasons for optimism. Before that, I want to mention earlier. I, I don't want anyone to think I oh you were on the fence about going seven and five and you just didn't because of Tennessee. That's a stupid reason. We kind of get that a lot when we make game picks. So I'm not going to pick Tennessee to beat Florida because I believe it when I see it. And people will say, oh, it's a dumb reason. It's not just that for me and hearing how Tennessee's two preseason scrimmages went was a reminder that this team could be very inconsistent Um, because the first scrimmage, I was hearing a lot of concerns about how Tennessee's offense looked uh, that the offensive line had a bad day, that the quarterback play wasn't sharp. They didn't really get anything going, had some three and outs, things like that. Um, That's how this offense could go when it's clicking. It's going to move fast. It's going to put up a lot of points. They're going to have a lot of two minute and underscoring drives probably. Uh, when it's not going well, it's going to hang that defense out to dry, and it may not be a very good defense to begin with. So this might be a fun team to watch at times. It also may be a very frustrating team at times, and that and I that kind of stuck in the back of my mind as I weighed whether to go seven and five or six and six. But a couple reasons I'll tell you that I think this team has some upside and why why fans should be optimistic. I think it's it starts with the offense for me. It's 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 sort of the coaching staff overall, like Patrick was saying, but it's all it's more about what this team could be offensively because in today's game in any game, really, but especially in the modern game, if you can score points, you can beat anybody. And I, 
you know, we, we've talked about this before when Tennessee's been sort of the more traditional team playing a team like, like Missouri under Josh Heupel or, or somebody else, uh, Kentucky years ago when, when they were running wide open with, uh, you know, Hal Mummy and people like that. You know, when you play a team like that that's wide open, it makes anything possible. It makes them the tough matchup to prepare for. Everyone's got to prepare for Tennessee's fast tempo. That's going to be different from what a lot of teams face week after week. So Tennessee is now that tough matchup on paper for everybody. Um, and that, that just opens up a lot of possibilities. If this offense scores 30-plus points a game, that's going to keep you in almost every game if they, if they do that on a consistent basis. Um, that's where upsetting Kentucky is in play for me because is Kentucky really going to go out there and score 35, 40 points against Tennessee? It's possible, but if Tennessee puts up a bunch of points, they can beat a lot of the teams on their schedule. So the offense is the reason, for, uh, for the main reason for optimism. The other thing is, and it's been discussed on this podcast and throughout preseason camp, but the, the team chemistry. I, I think some of that gives you a little bit more uh, of a sense that this team is, uh, and just being around each other every day, unlike last year with COVID, I think this team having that chemistry going for it, I don't know that it's worth the win, but it does make you feel better that this team is is going to stick together if they have some ups and downs, and they probably will. Uh, it makes you think this, this coaching staff is going to get the most out of this team, whatever that is. Um, so I think the chemistry is at least uh, one of those intangibles that it doesn't make you sway one way or the other, probably in predicting a win versus a loss. But I think in the end, that's maybe a reason to think this team sticks together. And, you know, last year you had a coach fired midseason. You know, I don't think you're going to see anything like that this year. This is a team that will probably stick together and, and, and be sort of on the same path with each other much better than last year. And I think in the end that it could make a difference. Yeah, I, I agree on the, the team chemistry is, I mean, that's been a thing. It's kind of been the theme all summer with, uh, I guess, going back to the spring when they started doing some stuff, uh, team activities or whatever. And the whole camp talking to coaches, it's like positive vibes only. They're only going to talk about all the good stuff that's going on. That'll, that'll only take you so far, obviously, once you get on the field, once the season kicks off and, and once you kind of get punched in the mouth and get hit with some adversity, that only will take you so far, but. I mean, when I think about this 21 season, it goes back to something Bud Elliott said, I think in like January uh, when Pruitt was gone, you can't be boring and bad. You, you, if you're going to be bad, you better at least be exciting. And I think that's the thing that you have to hold on to uh, for year one under Josh Heupel is, yeah, like Ryan said, there's it's going to be hit or miss with this offense. They're going to score a lot of points or they're going to have three and outs. But if they can develop an exciting brand of offense, if they can develop quarterbacks and score points at the rate they did in the past. Um, it's a little bit easier to, to watch a, you know, I don't know what, a, a, a 41-35 loss than, a, you know, a 31 or a 28-20 loss or whatever. I don't know. If you're going to put up more points, at least it's a little bit more exciting to watch. If you have production at quarterback, if it looks like you're developing uh, real talent at that position, if, if you can just take this roster and, and squeeze a little bit more out of it that's been squeezed in the last couple of years, I think that's something to, to hold on to. The positive vibes are great. And, all, you know, all the stuff they've said has been great all summer and all fall. Um, but I think there is some real reason for positivity just because you're going to see a different product on the field. A vastly should be a vastly different product than what we've seen the last few years. I think Ryan did make a really good point about the O-line there because – and I don't know if he was talking specific, specifically about the O-line. I think he was talking more about just sort of inconsistencies in general. But, you know, the people forget about this. Sometimes, but when you are playing as spread as Tennessee is, and and they're they're using basically the entire width of the field, right? Their receiver splits are comically large, and when you do that, you've also got usually some wider offensive line splits. And this 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 offense doesn't have like the Mike Leach where you could drive a 
a Volkswagen between the two often between the offensive linemen, but there are wide splits there. And, and so you have to get guys who can play in space. And that doesn't just mean skill athletes. You've also got to have offensive linemen who can play in space. And if those offensive linemen get dominated up front, uh, this offense can all of a sudden look pretty rough in a hurry. So those guys have got to perform in space. It's different for them. They've gotten in shape. Most of them have trim weight throughout the, the past several months. So they're, they're working on that. But, you know, it, it's hard to ask a 330-pound guy to go that fast. It just is. That's not human nature. So there are a lot of causes for pause there. But I think, generally speaking, the fact that Tennessee could maybe have some answers at quarterback, could maybe have some offensive excitement, uh, is a reason to hope that things could get better. Uh, before we step out of here, last thing, uh, I'll, I'll go to Pat here, I guess, because he is the football beat writer, so this would be his domain. Pat, did you say – I want to understand correctly what you said earlier. You're closer – you were closer to picking seven wins than picking five wins, right? Because I think some of us were six and six, but maybe thinking six and a half. Were you closer to six and a half or five and a half? Uh, no, I mean, I, I was six the whole way. I was, I was sort of joking about the, the Will Levis thing. That was just bizarre. I just had to point out how ridiculous that was. Um, you've got this picture, and we've used it, of, of uh, Joe Milton from the second scrimmage that, that Tennessee had, and it looks like he's freaking Goliath. Yeah. And then you have this guy over here shirtless eating a banana peel and all. I was like, <laughs> if, if you're just basing it off the quarterbacks, you're going to pick Tennessee to win that game. That was sort of my joking point. But, no, I mean – uh, I've been pretty staunchly six and six. Uh, I think I've left the practice field early on. It was like six and six feels about right. So, um, and, and like, like I've been pointing out, it could be an exciting six and six at times. It could be a frustrating six and six at times. I think there's going to be uh, some, some rough days, but there's also going to be some days that uh, could be fun and, and could be uh, reason for optimism for the longer term future of this program. But um I think there's just so many unknowns about this team that it was hard for me to go. Uh, it was really hard for me to push myself past six. Yeah, this offense, this offense. When when you look at the ways you know Ole Miss played last year in some of those games, um, and you had those moments where they were just devilishly fun to watch in those little stretches. I think this offense will have some flurries like that. I don't, I don't, I don't think they'll be that prolific throughout the course of the season, but I think they will have patches where they look really, really fun. And, well, and I, I, mean, I did mention the offensive line having that rough scrimmage uh, earlier. The second scrimmage went much better or noticeably better for the offense. But we also heard, you know, at days, uh, it may have been one of the scrimmages, I think, where the receivers didn't catch the ball very well. You know, they, they, there are reasons this team could be inconsistent beyond just, you know, the offensive line and the quarterback. Uh, the defense certainly could be rough one day uh, and, and pretty decent the next game. So it, you just don't know, again, with all the unknowns, what to expect from this team. I can't let us get through a season preview podcast without mentioning the quad god, um, Tyon Evans, uh, yeah. that, <laughs> that everyone has uh, on this staff has been I, impressed I, I by. Tried to, I, I intentionally did not mention him to see if Grant Ramey would mention him, and he didn't do yeah, it. Yeah, he didn't. But he's, I, 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 He's a very thick boy. <laughs> there he is. There say, he is. I will say that I think that is one of the areas where this team is maybe not as uh, – Take, taking as much of a step back as, as people might think from the loss of losses of Eric Gray and Todd Chandler. You lose a lot of experience there. I think Eric Gray is going to have a great year at Oklahoma. No, no knock on him, but I think the addition of Tyon Evans 
and maybe the drop off from Eric Gray to, to Jabari Small is not as, as big as people think. You add Jalen Wright, who's got some speed and is a good fit for this offense. I think the running back situation is pretty interesting. That's one of the positions where this team does have some upside. And if Tyon Evans is as good as I think he is, that this running game might be pretty good. I think that's an overlooked part of this offense is that it's pretty balanced. They run it quite a bit, taking advantage of those wide splits, making teams devote guys to the box and, and, and present some good matchups out wide. So this running game could be a little better than expected. That's another reason that I think you're a little bullish on the offense. They've, they've got some talent at running back. That's at least intriguing. Yeah. And, and if you can, it's like any other offense, except for the air raid, the better that you run it, the more that you make teams uncomfortable and you get advantageous situations downfield in the passing game. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's there. If they can run the ball, then that's something that could open up for them very, very nicely in the passing game, and that could take a lot of stress off of the Milton's hookers and Bailey's of the world. Guys, y'all got anything else? We're sort of up against it with, with time here. Y'all got anything else before we step on out of here? Grant's waving. I know he doesn't. Listen, listen. If, if you're listening to this and you don't know who to, who to listen to with these season predictions, just let me take you back to October 12, 2019. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Mississippi State was in Knoxville, and the, the, my three colleagues were telling you that the sky was falling and shut down the program. It's all over, <laughs> and only one person on the staff picked a win. And, and uh, Tennessee actually—I uh, don't know if y'all remember that game or not—but Tennessee won twenty to ten, and it sparked a pretty long winning streak, and everything started going right after that. So we won't talk about anything that happened in twenty twenty, but just FYI. You know who else remembered that game? And Javante Payton. I know he talked about it quite a bit <laughs> when he was at Mississippi State. He's like, you know, that wasn't such a fun day at the time uh, for the team I was playing for. So, yeah, the uh, Neyland Stadium can come to life sometimes, and it can make Grant Ramey seem like less of an idiot than usual. So it 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 does happen. So I think because Grant is, is the most optimistic then, he was the most optimistic this time, I, I think we kind of got to end it there because we never ended on a Grant optimistic note. Can we agree there, guys? That's fair. Brian, you yeah. still suck. I need, yeah, okay. I, I got confirmation from Pat. Now we're good. Now we're, no, I'm, Ryan, Ryan, I'm, Ryan, this is going to be the last word, so make sure it's not anything that counters Grant. No, don't give him the last word. It's going to be bad. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I'm good and I suck. Well, okay. Now I'd change. Yeah, yeah we, we can we can end on that. Now I'm gonna, once now, once again he sits on a fence. Yeah. Now I'm now I'm really quickly gonna have to <laughs> talking find about the, music the, re- here. the review we got. I was talking about the review. Come on. There it is. There it is. Where's that button? There it is. Thank you all so much for listening, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We say that every single episode, but we always mean it. We're not just saying it to say it. We mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this edition of the Govals 24-7 Podcast. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. The optimistic Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Uh, he's like the uh, Bob Ross of our website now. Uh, Patrick Brown, P. Brown. 24-7 there on Twitter and Ryan Callahan Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter and if you want just Tennessee news on your feed nothing else you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7 that is all vols all the time facebook.com slash govals 24-7 also uh, has information throughout the day uh, because we got lots of content out there that we will filter out through there also some fun interactive stuff tons and tons of good stuff there at facebook.com slash govals 24-7 but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring water right from the tab, Smoky Mountain style, Ronnie Millsap style, go get that at GoVols247.com. The best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball uh, with Vitello and everything those guys got going on. They got a fall game coming up here in a little bit. 
uh, a couple months against uh, Louisiana Tech. So we'll have coverage of that stuff too. And, and obviously they're recruiting like gangbusters. So plenty of, of stuff there. All things Lady Vols with Maria Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all year long. We've got two forums on the site, the Checkerboard and the Summit, which are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as the name suggests. And you can talk to all of us about anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's why we are there. Go there. At, you know, you get access to what more than a couple dozen fresh content items, unique content items every day. You get access to us on, on the message board. Uh, it is one of the best deals out there. And you can get a seven-day free trial to start off with. There is no reason not to do that. And, and most people who do the trial, they end up staying because the product is really good. So go check that out. And if you stick through that trial, you, you pay us that full price, then you get, which is still less than one mediocre lunch per month, by the way, unbelievable deal. If you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. That's CBS Viacom streaming platform. That's every show CBS has ever made commercial free. Tons of exclusive shows on there. Like Picard, Star Trek, Evil, all that good stuff. All of that, the Infinity, you know, movie, all, all kinds of great stuff on there. Every show CBS has made commercial free. Uh, you get all kinds of new movies, all kinds of classic movies that rotate in and out every month. Uh, you get uh, live sports with SEC Vol Sports. Uh, you get uh, NCAA sports. You get college football. Uh, you get uh, college basketball, March Madness, NCAA tournament, uh, NFL, UEFA League, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, PGA Tour, NFL, all that, plus things in, in the catalogs of MTV, BET, CBS, uh, Smithsonian, and Nickelodeon. All that $100 annual value in your pocket for free. Go take advantage of that right now. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from us uh, by, by Friday, because Friday we'll have a, an edition with Josh Pate from 24-7 Sports Talking Tennessee Football. Until then, be safe, be good to each other, and uh, let's get through this. See you.